My guest today claims that she has no experience with data and analytics, but that is very not true. She doesn't have a formal education in data and analytics, and I think that makes her story so much more powerful because she has been where many of you have been or are right now. She has learned through trial and error how not to work with data and how to make data valuable. And if failure is one of our best teachers, our guest today shares lessons from that very valuable teacher. She is brave enough to talk about the things that she struggled with, the mistakes that she made, and what you can learn from those mistakes. And maybe you don't have to make quite as many of them yourself. So I'm very excited for today's guest. It's a really wonderful, honest conversation and is one that I hope many of us can continue to have as we explore our relationship to analytics in our organizations, the mistakes we might be making, the mistakes maybe we can avoid in the future, and how we can really proceed with analytics when we don't all have a formal background in analytics. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits everywhere. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerings. I am thrilled today to be joined by Rachel Baerbauer, who is the brains and heart and soul behind Small Shop Strategies. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you? Oh my gosh, Alexander, thank you so much for having me. I Data is one of those things that secretly I really, really love. And for people who are good at it, I just, you're like, you're just a rock star to me. So um, thank you. I am very excited to be here. And yeah, for, I guess for your listeners who don't know me, um, you know, I am the founder and CEO of a business called Small Shop Strategies. And really, it was born out of exactly what I needed as an executive director. So I ran an organization for six years, and I was a, I was a small shop and the only employee for a really long time. And so um, I created a community called the Productive Executive Director that what I really tried to do was just take everything that I needed as a small shop executive director. I, so I have like my templates and I have, you know, how my plans, my annual plan, like how to write a fundraising letter, like all those things that you, because you have to be good at so many different things as a small shop. I just tried to put them all together. So that's how, you know, small shop was born. But, you know, as for me, you know, I really feel like I have found what I was supposed to do. I, I fully believe in teaching everything you know, and that is what I spend my days doing is spending time with executive directors and just helping them be better at what they're doing so that they can go and change the world. You know, I'm a regular person. I live on a farm in the middle of Iowa. Uh, I have three naughty dogs and, um, I used to be a trail runner out in Washington. So this new landscape, I'm definitely a, a farmer in training. So instead of running up and down mountains, I am, you know, cruising, cruising through the cornfields. So it's a new life, but 
I love it. And I know when we first connected, we both realized how much fun this conversation was going to be. And I think that's exactly right. But we both do what we love because we know the impact we can have on the organizations that are actually creating the change that we need to see happen in the world. And yes. we're talking about over 90% of nonprofits are small shops. And when you are required to do everything, it's almost impossible to be amazing at all of those things. And so knowing where you can reach out and get resources to support you, whether you know it's in how to write the best thank you note, which I you know, saw on your website the other day and loved, or whether it's you know on my side looking at data. And, and that's why I'm really excited to have you here is you can talk from both sides. You can talk about what it's like being a completely overwhelmed executive director with way too many things to do and where do you slot data into that. But then also from the side of like organizing an organization into something that is really effective, how do you effectively then bring data into that? And so I'd love to start with your background and experience with data in the work that you've done uh, running nonprofits. Oh, um, yeah, I don't have any. I mean, I did my best. And like I said, like, I do love, like, I love looking at numbers. I love like getting it all into like a really beautiful spreadsheet and like, you know, doing that a pivot table. I mean, I say that like I'm an expert. I'm not, but I do, I do love data, but I don't have experience with it. I, I, you know, I get, I get that beautiful spreadsheet together and I have all of this, you know, data in there, but then what do I do with it? And that's where I get stuck. Yes. And I think that you know, I wanted this conversation to happen because I think this is where so many folks really do start out. It's, it's a very big hurdle to get over in terms of where do I even start? Because there are literally an infinite number of things you can do with numbers. So which are the ones that are actually going to make a difference is such a big and important and hard question. So you know, can you elaborate a little bit more on those challenges that you faced in, in your work about actually like dealing with data? You know, I think, I feel like this will also resonate with other small shops, but I think my biggest challenge was that I was collecting too much data. You know, I, I thought that I needed to have all this information on my donors and my beneficiaries and my board members. And in reality, I spent so much time wasted because I was collecting information that I didn't necessarily need. And then I didn't, I also didn't know what to do with. I think that was my biggest challenge was just collecting too much data. And that that's also something I hear with organizations, you know, they'll, they'll send me like a, a template or a, or something for, you know, a questionnaire and they will have a hundred different questions. And I think now my experience, I'm like, ooh, but do we need all of this? Maybe not. I mean, I am so guilty. I mean, like, I want all of the information. I want it all like a dragon that I'm going to just pile up and like sit on. <laughs> but you're right that it, it takes energy and effort and work to collect information. And so if you aren't starting with what's my end goal, what's the thing I'm trying to accomplish, and therefore, what information do I need? It's very easy to then say, well, what if in the future I need this, even though I don't really know why I might need this, so I'm just going to collect everything. And instead, really staying razor focused on the what's my objective, where am I trying to get to, and then what pieces of information do I need to get to that objective, and that's what I'm going to 
collect and that's what I'm going to focus on. And, and also, like, not all questions are benign, right? There's an effort on someone else who's having to generate that information, whether it's your data entry person or someone who you're trying to ask for a donation. Like, heaven forbid that you ask too many questions and get someone to not donate because they couldn't be bothered to fill in your form, right? That is so, so accurate. And especially when it comes to donations, because you really want to reduce that friction for donors who are possibly in, and I'm thinking more on, like, a... Um, on your website, your donation page, you know, you want to get them to that donate button as fast as possible. So reducing the number of questions that you're asking is really important. And also one thing that's always bugged me is organizations oftentimes will like ask for my birthday or ask for my phone number, which is totally great. If you are going to send me like a birthday note, awesome. But if you don't, then I'm like, what are you doing with my birthday? Like, or my phone number. If you're going to collect my phone number, then are you going to call me? Like, what is the purpose of that? So being really intentional about the information that you are collecting. And, and I know sometimes in a small, small shop that like you, you have the best of intentions, but if you don't have the bandwidth to send a birthday email, don't collect that information right now. You can always go back and collect it later. I think that's a big piece that a lot of people miss is they think, you know, well, if I don't collect it now, I will never collect it in the future. Or, and it is true, it's difficult to go back in time and generate data from past things. But for some things like birthday, it's fine if half the people in your database don't get a birthday card. If you decide in the future you suddenly get that capacity and you add it, you can either reach out, ask people to add that information, or just accept that some of them won't get it. It's not that big a deal to then make changes down the road with things like that. I think the ones you have to get right are the ones that are central to your core operating efforts, you know, which is what we just talked about. Like, focus on the things that actually are going to matter now. So accurate. And one thing I will totally, like, raise my hand here. One thing that I am terrible at is I really do like to have complete information and I will spend all of this time trying to complete, you know, every single cell that I'm trying to put something in when just to your point, like it's okay. If half the people don't get a birthday message, that is okay. That is okay. And so for anyone out there listening who has that you know, tendency that you don't want to move forward on something because you don't have complete information, that's, it, it's okay. We are both giving you permission to only send half your audience birthday cards. Okay. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and I think that making sure that you have data as part of your strategic discussions so that you can make those calls of like, what is mission critical and what's going to be a nice to have. But if you're starting at the other end, and we talked about this in, in a previous episode about data standards, don't start with what do I collect? That's the last question. So you need to go back, say, what am, what's my organization's goal? Where am I going as an organization? Even if it's just me, where, where am I headed? And then once you know that, then you can start to say, and then what are my objectives, which we were talking about earlier? And then what do we need to collect? So yes, absolutely. Like we give you permission to not have to do all of the nice to haves with your data. And I mean, to that point, if you put in all of your time, and I know you talked about this before, 
If you put in all of your time trying to collect information and you waste time on data you don't need, what ends up happening is then you don't have any time to use the data. So you need to make sure you're reserving time to actually operationalize the data you collect and not just collect it. Different pieces of data have different values. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not talking about like the actual numbers. Perfect example here is when I was running my organization, it was a youth empowerment program. And so I spent a lot of times going to schools or like back to school fairs and things like that. I set up my tent and then I had my little clipboard with my page that, you know, people could enter their name and their email and how they'd like to be contacted and what they were interested in. Okay. So I collected very specific information, name, email, how they want to be contacted, and then what they were interested in, volunteering, board member, donating, whatever that was. And then I took those sheets and put them in a file. Probably should not admit this, but there's probably still pages and pages and pages and pages and pages stuffed in a file somewhere that I did absolutely nothing with. And so going back to different pieces of data have different weight or value, every single one of those names and emails could have been a donor or could have been a volunteer or could have been a board member. And I was so frazzled and so overwhelmed that I didn't prioritize that. And now looking back on it, like, that was a big mistake. That was something that I wish I would have been able to take that step back and see how valuable the information was that I was collecting and take an action. Well, and I was just making a note because you know we started with, you don't have to collect everything. It's okay if it's not all perfect. But then the flip side to that is there is so much value in data. And so somehow being able to hold those two things at the same time, right? Don't panic. You don't need everything, but you do really need to invest in data. Like it needs to be one of those non-negotiable things that is, is present with you, that you are figuring out what the bare minimum that you can do with data is, and you are doing it. You are investing in that. So, and I think that sometimes it's easy to go too far one or the other. Oh, okay. I don't need, like, I don't need all the data. Well, maybe that means I don't need any data. Right, or I don't need to invest so, in data work, yes. right? Or <laughs> data is super valuable, so therefore I need all of the data. There's a hierarchy out there where, and I'm going to just totally flub it, but data is at the bottom. Like you can have all of this data and it doesn't really make any sense. So then you put it together and then it becomes information. And then as you work up that pyramid, you add some context. So, you know, knowing, you know, if you're, you're just collecting like all, the, you have a spreadsheet of all the donations that you just received um, during year end or giving Tuesday, that's a whole bunch of data. Then you put it together and you want to find out like how many donors you had. Okay. That's some more information. And then you put context on top of that. So what is it that you are trying to do with that information. And then from there, the top of that pyramid is wisdom. Like then 
you can make a really smart and informed decision on what to do next. And I, I think you, we talked about that you have to have a data strategy. That data strategy has to be driven by what are the most critical decisions you need to make. And then how can you get data all the way up that hierarchy, which is exactly what you said, right? Go from raw data to information, like to knowledge, to action. And so you need to invest enough in those systems that you can get data up that hierarchy. And there's investment that has to happen at each level. There's investment in collecting the data. There's investment in analyzing the data. There's an um, investment in being able to like, share that information because then that becomes knowledge. It can be information, but if it doesn't land in front of the people who need it, it's not going to become knowledge. And then making sure you can act on it, that it's you know formalized into some way that you're then acting on that information. So that's a really, really yes. good point. You know, that's hard as to, to really think like when you are a small shop leader, whether you are a board member, an executive director, a, whatever you are, that's hard to like prioritize. And I think it's one of the, I, I know I struggled with it, you know, and, and I think to your point, what you said before was, you know, you really have to hold kind of these opposing things at, at one time, you know, how much data to collect, collect the right information. How important is this one? Where do I invest time? You know, and it's going to change. It's going to evolve. It's not always going to be, you know, all or nothing. And so I think being kind to yourself, like having just like, being like, okay, listen, real talk here. Like I can only do so much and that's okay. Half the birthday cards. No, that's a really good point. You know, that rather than trying to eat the whole whale and one bite, right? Say, all right, is there one critical decision that I make frequently or that's gonna be like a real game changer that I could put a pipeline in place that would collect data, analyze data, give me that, that knowledge and I could make an informed decision in that one step. Because if you could do that, it would give you a model that you could start to expand in other places in your organization. But starting with just one, I think makes it a bit more digestible because it's easier to then determine what's the information that I need and like put that infrastructure in place. As part of that, I wanted to ask you a question that you may not have an answer to. We talked about, right, you already have too many things to do. We're asking you to say, this is something you have to do, which probably means that something else is gonna either get moved to a back burner or, or bumped off for a bit. Is there something that you see executive directors doing that they could either put down, set aside, and make some space to do data in? That is such a good question. So I said, I'm not, it's not an easy question. I don't know that there's an answer to this, but I was curious if you had anything. I, I really feel that being an executive director is like juggling. And you are constantly juggling all of these different priorities. Okay but something's going to drop. Okay. So something's going to drop and you have to be intentional about what it is that you can drop. And sometimes what you drop is glass. And sometimes what you drop is plastic. And so while juggling, you are also prioritizing what it is that is most important, what is going to be a glass shattering decision to drop or something that is a plastic decision to drop. What I see executive directors oftentimes doing is actually like just spending so much time recreating the wheel. 
thinking that, and let me preface this with like, again, I made a community because I felt like I was spinning my wheels and I was spending so much time on something that I was like, somebody else must be doing that. Finding that place that you can get resources so that you are not starting from zero. So that in a small organization, that is really important. And also like let go of that ego in that you have to come up with all of these original ideas. It's okay when you are starting out to just have a foundation, just build that foundation and then everything else will come. So that's probably one of the biggest things is just spending so much time recreating stuff. Okay. Let me, let me try to explain this here. There's your systems that you can easily automate. So you've got like your email and your social media and, you know, you come up with a framework, you do it once, and then it becomes this asset that you can repeat over and over and over again. And then over on this other side, you have relationships. There's pieces of relationship building that you can automate. It takes a lot of time to build these really strong relationships with our donors, our board members, our staff. It's doing whatever you can to automate all of this other stuff that is happening, all of these systems, all the like little tasks that you're doing throughout the day, how can you automate that? So that, and that includes data, like how is information coming in and systematizing that so that you aren't having to build out these enormous spreadsheets and figuring all of this out on your own, putting it into some sort of system that will spit out a report or will do some of that legwork for you so that you can then spend the time really building those relationships because that is what is going to move your mission. There's so much good stuff you just put in what you just said. (laughs) I was like frantically scribbling things down because there are so many good things. Let's see if I can get through all of the things. So I love that I said, what can some, you know, an executive director put down to make room to add this data ball into their juggling act? And what you said is you don't necessarily have to put a ball down. You have to get better about keeping that ball in the air by streamlining the process. And I like that you can do, you can streamline in two ways. One is automation, right? Like make a process that runs itself. So basically the ball keeps itself in the air rather than you having to throw it up there. But the second is having other people do some of that work. So whether it's sourcing templates from somewhere else, whether it's relying on like a third party software or, you know, a consultant or something like that, where someone else is going to do that work. And then it's not then a ball, you sort of hand the ball to someone else or you use someone else to like spring that ball into the air. So I think both of those things are so important and you're exactly right that you can do that with other processes in your organization to free up some time to invest in data or you can do it with data itself. Data systems and automating that is a great thing. And, you know, I always have a spiel of like, let humans do what humans are good at and let computers do what computers are good at. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm totally going to steal that. It's yes. so true. Yes. We like have humans entering data and like reviewing spreadsheets, which we're terrible at. And then we think like computers can turn all this data into actionable information when you're like, no, no, no. humans have to do that with their you know, context and our knowledge of what matters. Mic drop right there. <laughs> it's every small shop listening to that. Right. Oh my gosh. Let humans be humans and let computers be computers. Yes. And it sounds so simple, and yet we screw it up an awful lot. So I, I really liked that, though, of, of 
really focus on getting efficient in the places where you can get efficient. And that frees up time to be in the places that just take human effort and time. You know, I was also thinking about your like what's plastic and what's glass comment as well. And I think there are elements within data that that's true. There's some things that are really non-negotiable at data, right? You have to protect people's privacy. So don't start collecting information if you can't keep it secure or don't collect information that needs to be kept secure, right? Like that's not, that's a glass ball. You cannot drop that one. I have a great example of this that actually is, I would just want to like put out there because I was a small organization and we did a scholarship program. And so part of the application process was I asked for the most ridiculous stuff. And one of those included proof of income, something like that. It was not needed. But more importantly, I was running my organization from my couch. And I, I had all of this information in my house. I didn't have a secure file cabinet. It, I think I received like three applications and I was like, time out. This is not what we need. And I changed it immediately. I stopped asking for stuff that one was information I did not actually need. I was going to provide these scholarships no matter what. So why am I asking them to disclose this information? And two, I did not have a secure place to put, I mean, like social security, like it can get out of control very quickly. And so putting a positive time out, like what, what do you need to collect and where are you going to put it? Yep. And I mean, and you can, there's a concept of like minimum viable. And I was thinking back to our birthday example, because we keep coming back to that. If your intent is to send out a birthday card, don't ask for the year of someone's birth. Just ask for the month and the day, right? Because that takes it from a very sensitive thing, right? Someone's birth date, we use to identify them. And if you just do the month and the day, then you can deliver on your need without adding a level of sensitivity to that data. And so, yeah, like, how do I remove as many glass balls as I can so that I don't have a chance of dropping them? Or think about before you put something in the air, like, if this drops, what's the consequence? And, and to your point, trying to send out birthday invites, if you drop it and don't send them out, like, not that big a deal. But if you have a data breach and you've collected people's actual dates of birth, including year, like, that's a much bigger deal. And so I do like that, that analogy of thinking about like what can fall and being really intentional about, okay, you know, these things are the ones that can't and these ones are the things that, that can. And I think we have trouble sometimes admitting which things can, can drop. Um, Absolutely. But, but thinking about the actual consequence, like what will happen if this doesn't go according to plan? Let me give like one more example here. I just, I sound like I'm the worst executive director, but you know, also what I worked with youth and I, so I knew, you know, their name was Bella and they went to this elementary school and they had practice on these days. All of that information adds up to very important and possibly risky information and in how it's out there. And so a great example. So anyone who is working with kids, say you're at a practice or you're working with the kids and you, you know, because social media is so just like, it's in the moment and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here with Bella who goes to, you know, this elementary school and it's Thursday and she loves what she's doing. 
Okay. So I've just listed girl's name, her elementary school, and when she's going to be there, which is really, really scary. And that's something that's so easy to just like put out there. So being really careful about the data that you do have and how that translates, even if it's, even if the intent is there, the intent like, is good. Exactly. The, the harm but can still happen. A hundred, a hundred percent. And there's so much from health information, like you said, the sensitive information to, again, you can drive people away based on the questions that you ask because they don't trust what you might do with that data. Um, so there, there are a lot of considerations in there. And, and I'm going to steal something that you shared with me about the, the order that you should try to tackle these things in. Because I think we've covered a lot of really important things. And so putting it into an order of operations of how you can get started, because you, you talk about stabilize, optimize, expand. And I, I do think that when it comes to data as a small shop, to get to that stabilize, stabilize point, you have to make room for data. So whether that's creating efficiencies in other areas or putting something down so that you can include data operations in your priority is part of stabilize. And then the, the next part of stabilize is making sure that you only pick data elements that are going to help you right now, not mm -hmm. someday maybe, but like they will answer a pressing need right now and that you have the resources to be able to handle that data responsibly. Yes. Like that has to be part of stabilize. Like don't go any farther until you have those things in place. And that's the whole idea of that framework is yeah. stabilize what you can. Like yeah. if you are frazzled, overwhelmed, overworked, underfunded, get very, very clear on what you're doing and then do that piece really well. Do that piece before you add something else. Because if you don't stabilize and you just keep adding, then it's chaos. Starting right there with that stabilize, then you can optimize a little bit more and then expand. Yeah. And I think, and I like that, that then once you make sure that you can keep your data secure, that it's actually satisfying a pressing need that you have, you know, and you've made space for it. Then I like the idea that you move on to, well, how do I automate this? What can I take out of maybe what I started doing manually just because I'm getting started, build a template or build a process or outsource it, right? Like, can I outsource this somewhere else now that I've identified this as an ongoing data need that I have? And then that's your optimize. And then when you get to that point where you've automated as much as you can, it's slotted into like your structure, then you can, the expand I think in my mind is that you, re you repeat, you come back to the beginning and you say, what new pressing need can I address with data? Yes. I'm gonna add that piece in then to my infrastructure. And you can kind of keep slotting these new things that you do with data, but you never move forward until you've, you've streamlined the previous one. And then you can go back to the stabilize and make sure if you take on new data, can you keep it safe? Can you use it effectively? You know, does it support the thing that you're yes, doing? Yes, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being so open with the struggles that you've had with data. I think it will really resonate with a lot of people who, who are having those exact same struggles. Um, before we go, do you have any sort of last parting wisdom or like a quick win, a quick action that someone could take that's going to help them move the next step, even if it's not all the way there, just that next step when it comes to using data? I really, really do. Okay. I, I feel like I need to like get closer to the camera for this. I know all of you at home get, don't know this or, or can't see this, but standardize how you collect that data. And I'm being very specific here. Figure out how you are putting names into 
your spreadsheets, into your CRM, into whatever it is. Standardize that because I cannot tell you how many times I have had to redo, you know, direct mail letter or something because the information was not entered correctly or like, is it first name, last name? Is it last name, first name? Like just whatever it is, come up with a game plan. The thing that executive directors are wasting their time on, it's rearranging names in spreadsheets. That is what they're spending all of their time doing. So taking out commas, like all like capitalizing letters, that is what you are wasting time on. So come up with that game plan seriously do that. Um, you will save so much time if you like tell, you know, anyone who's supporting you with data, data management, be like, this is how we enter it in. It will save you hours and hours and hours. Also just having like general naming conventions for files and for um, files, documents, things like that, that will also save you a lot of time because then you know where you know, uh, how many spreadsheets do we all have that is like version one, version 1.1, version one, final, 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 final version one, final version. That is ridiculous. Come up with a naming convention, know where you put it. Okay. I have a ridiculous um, resource for y'all because it's not ridiculous. It's amazing, but it's so funny that like this is something that we need and you don't think about, but I have how to organize your files in a way that really, really makes a lot of sense. And this was something that I took years to figure out. You can just head my website, smallshopstrategies.com forward slash file for fun. And it takes some time, but oh my gosh, is it worth it? And then you will have every spreadsheet, every piece of data all in one place. And it will be a beautiful thing. And we'll definitely provide that link in the show notes, which you can get on the our website, heartsouldata.com under episodes. Um, or if you're on any podcast in the notes below, you'll see that link. Um, and I love too how that resource encapsulates pretty much everything that we talked about. Because most of us small shops are probably not going to have massive databases. Our data are going to be stored in Excel sheets. And if you can't find the Excel sheet or you're not sure which is the most recent one or the one you should be using, the, your data quality is going to go out the door. You're going to not get any value out of that data because you'll be using the wrong one. Um, and then we also talked about be efficient so that you have time to invest in data. So if you apply this file sorting to other areas of your, your organization as well, you'll free up time that you can invest in data. Um, so I love it. Everything wrapped up right there. And you were so right about conventions of like, how do you write someone's name? It's so true that you waste so much time editing things and sorting things and then manually trying to match people up because they're Alex Mannerings over here and they're Alexandra Mannerings over there and then they're Mannerings Alex over here. Like, yes. Doesn't matter how you do it, just do it the same way every time. Do figure out the names, yep. everyone. Just forget, have a game plan. That is what I want you to walk away with. Figure out how you are entering names. That's it. Yep. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your joy and your enthusiasm and your honesty. I think this has been a really wonderful conversation. And I know you have so much to share both in making other people realize they're not alone struggling with this out there um, and also in sharing so many resources and insights and tips on how to really be successful with data and why it's so important to be successful with data. Oh my gosh. Thank you for letting me come and just you know, this is a different topic than I usually 
don't speak on. And I just, I appreciate being able to have these open and honest conversations because I know there is someone out there listening who's like, oh, okay, somebody else has done this silly thing too. I'm not alone. And you're not alone. You, you are not alone. There are so many people who have been there, who have done it, who have messed up. And I think just as a community in this nonprofit sector, like coming together to really support each other, we're all going to be able to serve our beneficiaries better. That's it. Amplifier impact. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. And one last time, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram. Um, that is, that's my jam. So find me on Instagram. I'm at small shop strategies. Um, I am also on LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at moroccanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.